Trevelyan, and I have the honor of speaking to you today as the candidate for this position of pastor to students and families. Um, I, I have to admit that this is kind of surreal to be standing here uh, on this stage again. Um, the first time that I visited OBC was in the summer of the year 2000, which was, seems like a long time ago now. <laughs> but I was between my junior and senior years of high school, and uh, I was visiting the church with a friend, and this is a friend of a friend that I met on a missions trip. And in May of 2004, I was standing somewhere about here on this stage getting married to that friend. Uh, and you can see that the church looks a little bit different, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> for those of you who've been here for a while, you're probably going, oh yeah, that used to be, where did that go? <laughs> Um, and uh, we're, uh, next picture, we're uh, not too far from here on the beach, and uh, that's us, 100% less beard, a um, <laughs> little, little younger at that point, um, but uh, not too far from here, we got photos done on the beach and then came and, and did our wedding ceremony here at, at OBC. And uh, in December of 2006, I was almost in the same place. Sorry, I told myself I wasn't going to do this, but... <laughs> Truth be cry. But uh, my, uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law got married in the same place, so... Um, so, uh, though we've served God on the other side of the continent for over 15 years, uh, OBC has always held a special place in our hearts. I told myself I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are here for first service, so you get the raw unfiltered. I'll get myself together by the time second service hits, but... <laughs> but OBC has always held a special place in our hearts, and so I wouldn't have ever imagined in a million years that we would be standing here, uh, preparing to join the pastoral staff of OBC. It just, it blows my mind a little bit. So, uh, earlier this year when the position was first advertised, uh, several people passed the listing on to us, Facebook, email. Uh, I know for some of them it was kind of a selfish thing because they at least wanted us back in the same time zone since we'd been in mountain time in New Mexico for so long. But uh, what they didn't know was that God had brought us along on a three-year journey that, uh, that has culminated in, in this moment. Uh, and we'll tell you about that journey another time. I've only got a half hour, so um, you come ask us at some point. We'll be happy to tell you about it. But uh, uh, as we went to, as we were kind of investigating things, we said, hey, it's been, we were married in 2004 at OBC. It's been a little while. Uh, how are things going? What, what's happening at the church? What's it look like? So we noticed that the pews have been replaced with chairs. So for those of you that, that are doing a wedding here, you don't have to try and have an argument over which side of the aisle you're going to go down. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we, uh, we noticed some familiar faces serving the, the church family, like uh, Jess Mailer and Jekka. We knew family friends for a while and, and, and know her. And uh, we recognized a bunch of other photos there. But uh, we didn't know this Rob dude who was the pastor, but he seemed like a pretty neat guy. And, uh, and he, uh, his video on the website about what it means to be a church member, uh, my boss that I work for said, I'm going to take some notes on that. I said, well, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. But there's something we noticed. There's this phrase uh, that was on the website, change lives, changing lives. Um, this is a screenshot of the website, but um, that sounded kind of familiar to us. And so we found out why a couple of weeks ago. So as we were doing some preliminary packing in preparation for possibly moving, uh, I discovered a little, a little mug that my mother-in-law had sent me at some point, and I don't know if you can see what's on the bottom of that mug there, is that change lives, changing lives. I don't know when that was made, uh, but it's, it's, it's got some age to it. Um, and does the phrase look familiar? It kind of does a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, change lives, changing lives has been a part of OBC's DNA for quite some time. 
And to me, when I see changed lives changing lives, I think about the fact that the Holy Spirit transforms the lives of believers, and then we, as believers, are empowered and equipped to lead others to Christ. And so change lives, changing lives, that's where it's at. But as I've thought about this phrase, I've thought about how can this be accomplished with students here at Osterville Baptist Church, for students and their families? How do we help encourage changed lives, changing lives, among both of those groups? So for students here today, I'm not just talking about you in the third person while you're like uncomfortably sitting in the room going, it's just talking about me up here. Um, this is for you guys as well, okay? So... Uh, you know, how can we come alongside you and encourage you and be a part of you growing closer to Christ? Uh, this, this is about you as well. It's not just us standing up in the front whispering about you, so, so keep tuned in. <laughs> but as I've been thinking about this, I've been thinking about uh, Colossians 1, chapter, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Um, and so you'll see it's page 983 in your blue Bible there. As you're flipping through, uh, Colossians is in the New Testament. It's one of Paul's letters and uh, you might blow past it because they're kind of they're kind of tiny, so you got to kind of get in there and find it. But uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then you find Colossians. If you hit the T books, you went too far. So just kind of come back a little bit. If you see Revelation, you really went too far. So, <laughs> but as I've been thinking about this this idea, uh, this passage uh, stood out to me. Colossians one verses nine through fourteen. And if you still hear some pages flipping, so I'll give you a second to get there. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Would you pray with me? Father, as we think about this passage, I know it stands out to me so much that uh, in you we have forgiveness of sins. And while we're going to talk more about that, uh, Father, just, uh, I'm just blown away that... Uh, that you did what you did for us. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, as we think about students and families today, I just pray that, uh, that you would guide us and direct us, that everything we say and do would be for your honor and for your glory, and uh, that through you, that we would see teens, families, and, and others in the community come to know you and, and grow deeper in their relationship with you. I just pray you'd give us a passion for that this morning as we walk through this passage. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So as I'm thinking about what the heart of a student and family ministry could look like here, these words have just stood out to me. Um, this would be my prayer for any student, for any family. Uh, if you're here and, and student time is a long time ago, it's still my prayer for you too. Um, I echo these words of Paul when I think about what I would desire for, for a student. And so let's, let's kind of walk through this. Uh, today's sermon's a little strange because you know, I'm, you're probably used to expository walking through passages, but I only get one shot at this. So uh, we're going to kind of take a topical lean on this today. It may not be what you're used to, but, uh, but that's what we're going to do today. So um, let's start with prayer. Um, Prayer, yeah, I feel like my thunder got stolen a little bit on that point earlier, but um, in verse 9, we have not ceased to pray, and in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. 
We have to pray about that task of reaching students and families. It's got to be where it starts. Uh, I know in my life sometimes I, I have made the mistake of, of not starting at that point of prayer uh, and kind of going that is, you know, when, when, the, when the lights are sounding and the alarm's going off, going, okay, now I've got to pray. Well, this should be where it starts, right? Um, and I hear laughing, so you're with me. Okay, good. It's not just me. <laughs> Um, John 15:5. you might be familiar with John 15, Jesus talks about the vine and the branches, that apart from him, we can do nothing. And so if we don't start there, then we can do nothing. And so we also must thank God for what he does in and through the student ministry, and, and we have to teach students about prayer and giving thanks. So not only do we have to pray, we must teach prayer and model prayer and uh, as families, we must pray together as families. Um, hopefully you do a little more prayer together with your family than just Lord bless the food, amen. Um, hopefully there's a little more prayer than that. But if not, let's work on that. Today would be a good day to start. <laughs> so teaching is the next element of this. Uh, teaching, uh, I love teaching. Teaching is one of my spiritual gifts. Um, and, and one of my great joys is when you see a student and you've taught something and they go, oh, I kind of get that. And then you see them start to do something with it. Uh, that is super encouraging to me, and that's like the most exciting thing that can happen for me. It's so exciting to see that happen. Uh, verse 9, knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then in verse 10, Paul says, increasing in the knowledge of God. Um, we must instruct students in God's word so that they will develop that spiritual wisdom and understanding. Uh, that doesn't come naturally. The, that comes from experience. It comes from seeing leaders and others in the church and how they handle situations. Uh, if you have a student who goes with you to the grocery store and the cashier does something and messes up, are you going to ream them out in front of that student or are you going to, to handle that in a Christ-like manner? That's tough. Because uh, that's not always my reaction when, when, uh, when the waitress brings out the order and it's completely wrong and you're just like, dude, what, what's this? Um, you know, how we handle that, they're watching. The, your, your kids, your teens, and frankly, the lost people around you are all watching that and how you handle that. And so that spiritual wisdom, it comes from experience and from, from having that modeled. One of the problems that we face with not just upcoming generations, but my generation, and frankly, uh, a lot of older folks too, is this idea of, uh, of biblical literacy. What people think they know about the Bible is based on popular culture's understanding of Christianity, and that taints our, our understanding of our faith, and it especially poisons how people look at when they see people, you know, you, you get the Westboro-type crowd on the news, and that's what's pushed, and they say, this is what a Christian looks like. And then when you try and minister to a student or to their family, and they go, oh, that's what a, you're a Christian? I, I know what a Christian is. I don't have anything to do with that. Um, and so that lack of understanding of, of Christianity and of what's actually taught in Scripture is something that we have to overcome. And how do we do that? Well, we teach what's actually in Scripture. Uh, I, I, one of my youth leaders used to always give us the example, when you, look at, uh, when you look at a secret service agent who's trying to identify false currency, they study the real thing over and over and over and over again. So then when the fake one shows up, they go, wait, that doesn't look right. That, something's wrong here. This is tilted wrong, and that's the wrong color. And so when we study our faith and we see through Scripture and through Bible study and through being in small groups, we see what Scripture teaches, we can identify the counterfeit very quickly. And so 
So that, that is something that I enjoy in, in, in student ministry and family ministry, seeing people understand God's word and taking that spiritual wisdom and applying it in their lives. So the next piece of this is honoring God in our lives. Uh, verse 10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. So we have to help students and their families live in a manner that brings glory to God. We've touched on this a little bit. The things they say and do ought to demonstrate their faith. Uh, we know believers by the fruit in their lives, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those good things. We know believers by the fruit that they bear. Uh, you know, that passage says, uh, we, you know, and the song that goes with it, you know, you'll know that they are Christians by their absolute supreme knowledge of the Bible. No, that's not what it says, right? We know they're Christians by their love, yes. And so we have to honor God in our lives and in how we treat other people, the things that we say, the things we do. It's not easy, is it? As I said before, that's not always my gut reaction. Um, you, know, I, you might not know it, and, and people that have, have known me for a little while but, but didn't know me before I was a believer, uh, I became a believer when I was nine years old, and, uh, and even up to that point, I had a real problem with anger and with temper. Um, and so it has taken a couple decades to start to work that out and to not have those issues, and it's all because of the Holy Spirit's work in my life. I can't take any credit for that. Um, but uh, but how, do, how do people go from that point of, I've got all this anger, to I'm able to submit that to the Holy Spirit? And that's through modeling it, teaching it, demonstrating it. Um, and, and, uh, and that starts with, with a God-honoring student ministry and family ministry for, for people to be able to, to have the opportunity to, to learn those things and experience those things. So we know we're doing something right when our students do what's right and have a reputation for that walking worthy. Um, and that's, that's uh, some people go, oh, is that even possible? Well, I mean, the Bible says with God all things are possible. Um, and I know for me as a teenager, my youth group helped me in that area. I certainly wasn't a paragon of virtue, but, uh, but my student ministry helped me to, to live that way. And so that's something that, that I, I, I like to do with students is to help them understand what, what that looks like and hopefully to demonstrate that for them as well. So the next piece of this, verse 11, relying on God and being encouraged by his church. Uh, verse 11 says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Students and families need to seek God's strength and be encouraged by the church. Uh, someone asked me the question, you know, how, how can we be welcoming to people that, that are families, young families, students? Um, how, how can we be welcoming to, to people well, get to know them first. Um, encourage them. Uh, come alongside them. Um, you know, be, express an interest in them, not just a, oh, uh, they expect me to come over and talk to you and say hi, so welcome. And yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> some of you are laughing because you've experienced that. I've been to churches where, uh, where somebody shakes your hand and you can tell that, that there's someone kind of watching over their shoulder making sure they shake your hand. And it's kind of like, okay, great, thanks. <laughs> so students need to seek God's strength and be encouraged by the church. Um, you know, if you're here and you're a student, when you've walked into the church, has someone actually said, acknowledged your presence and, and, and looked you in the eye and said, we're glad you're here? I hope so. Um, and and uh, for those of you who attend church and you're known by the church, hopefully you can think of an adult or, or someone who, who has stepped up and, and said, hey, how's the, you told me about that thing the other day. How's that going? Can I pray for you? Is there something I can pray for you for? Um, 
we, we have a responsibility. You guys have seen the news and, and watched as, as uh, our society and our culture just kind of seems to be going crazy. Um, you know, our students are walking through things that, that I know I never would have imagined students would be walking through. I thought I had it bad. Um, and, and as we see things deteriorate in, in morality and in our culture, our, our students need encouragement and, and they need people to lift them up and walk alongside them along this journey. And so, um, you know, when, when we think about student, and particularly this idea of family ministry, uh, when, when I was in church in the late 90s as a teenager, oftentimes we would walk in the door of the church, and, and they would say, hey, we're glad you're here. Uh, babies over here, kids over here, teens over here, young marrieds over here, singles over here, and there's just this super division of the entire family. And so that, that hour of church was spent completely apart from each other, and we wouldn't see each other again until we all got in the car and and then went home and, and ignored each other for a couple hours, um, frankly, um, you know, watching TV. And so that, that segregation of the family, I don't think that's always helpful. I mean, we want age-appropriate ministries, but at the same time, how are we supposed to, to encourage families and support them if, if we never actually do something with them to, together? It's kind of hard to do. And so, uh, you know, oftentimes, particularly with student ministry, I see this where, where the student ministry either amputates itself from the church body or is kind of, you know, oh, with student ministry, yeah, they're like a block that way in another building somewhere doing their thing. We just, we don't even know what they're doing, but they're here and that's awesome and that's great. We're just going to put them down there. Um, and that's kind of a shame. Um, you know, the student ministry shouldn't be an island to itself. And, and every inch of research that, that has come along has indicated that, uh, that, that students need to be a part of the larger church. There's a guy whose name is Dr. Richard Ross, uh, he's a professor at, uh, at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. That name may sound familiar because he had, uh, was a co-founder of the True Love Waits movement. Um, and I attended a conference a couple years ago where Dr. Ross talked about three factors that are almost universal among students who are continuing their involvement in the church throughout their college years. And, and those are up there on the screen. Experiencing a Christ-centered student ministry, growing up in a Christian home with godly parents, and being raised as a part of the greater church or full congregation. So sometimes we ask, well, how does my kid keep their faith in college? Well, these are three things that were common among students who did just that. And so we want a Christ-centered student ministry. We want a place where they can have that camaraderie and that fellowship together. But it also involves the parents and the family. And, and I know as, as someone who's been in student ministry for about 15 years, uh, you know, back in towards the beginning of when I was in student ministry, we really didn't emphasize the whole family and parents and parenting. And so that's something that all of us in student ministry are kind of riding the ship at this point and trying to, to make that better. Uh, but the other piece of that is being involved in the greater church. Uh, we want our, our young men to be with older men and to see what it means to be a man who honors God. We, we want our men to see those families that have been together, you know, this marriage of 50 years, 30 years, frankly, even five years, to see, hey, that's actually possible. You know, I can, I can be married and make it work, and even if there's something really difficult, we can make it through that. Um, we, need, we need women to come alongside our girls and show them what it's like to be a woman of God. And so if, if, we, if we extract the students from the rest of the church, then they don't see that. They get to college and go, well, where's the concert? I mean, I'm in this church, and, and I don't, I'm not entertained. I'm out. And, and so we, we don't want that to happen. 
So verse 13 talks about the domain of darkness. We want to help our students navigate through spiritual darkness. Um, you know, it says, uh, Paul said, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. As I said before, if you watch the news, read the newspaper, there's all kinds of stuff talking about the domain of darkness there. And we're not going to give Satan airtime, but we know our students experience this darkness in, in a variety of ways. And so they need us to walk alongside them as they journey through an increasingly hostile world. They, they need to understand their faith, own their faith, and know that we're going to back them up and be there for them. So uh, the last piece of this we're going to dive into uh, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, verse 13. We are adopted into God's kingdom. Um, and frankly, this is the starting point for, uh, what is it, 98% of people on Cape that, that are lost? This is, this is where it starts. Uh, we are removed from the kingdom of darkness and adopted into the kingdom of God. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us a little bit more about this. If you want to turn over a couple of uh, books there into Ephesians chapter 1, Again, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. There's just two books to the left there. So in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, it tells us a little bit more about this idea of being transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son, being adopted. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and hindsight. And so this idea of adoption is pretty special to me and my family. Um, we have not adopted yet. We hope to in the future. But, uh, but friends of our family adopted a child out of the foster system about two years ago. And you'll see them up there. Um, they're, they're Ryan and Alyssa, and the child's name is Janelle, and, uh, and, and they're really special to us, very good friends of our family, and um, something kind of amazing, I don't know how Massachusetts handles this, but in the state of New Mexico, uh, when they were pronouncing the adoption final, the judge there took care of that, um, when they were making the final pronouncement of the adoption, they walked through all the legal hoops they had to jump through. We certified this. We certified that. There's no tribal interest. There's none of this, none of that, none of this. So we can finalize this adoption. And the judge did something I had no idea that they did. He gave the order that Janelle's birth certificate be permanently changed so that the adopted parents were now listed as her parents. I had no idea, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so great, oh, it's so beautiful. Like, it's just a perfect picture of what God does for us. Um, and by the way, what's really cool is that the same girl was baptized a week ago in her home church, and we were able to be a part of that, and so that's extremely cool. But uh, when it comes down to it, um, you know, we are all adopted into God's family, and so you may not have had a foster experience or an adoptive parent kind of situation but really you have, because you were a part of the kingdom of darkness. You have been adopted with all the rights and privileges of your birth daddy into your new family. It's a beautiful thing. So here I am again. Anyway. Um, 
So, so really, what is the primary focus of what we do for students? Our desire for students is for them to be removed from the domain of darkness, adopted into the family of God, and then for their entire family to also experience the same thing and to enjoy that Christian walk together. Uh, sometimes when we talk about salvation, we focus on what's coming, and believe me, that's amazing. But at the same time, we are saved from separation from God to living a life for Him. And so it's not just about the end game, it's about living life now as well. So how do all these pieces come together in a practical sense when we think about a vision for student and family ministry here at the church? So here's a a brief summary of, of what we've talked about today. Students' lives are changed when they place their faith and trust in Christ for salvation and experience a vibrant, growing walk with him. That's, that's square one. That's where it all starts. Whether students grown up in the church, born in the pews or the chairs, or maybe they were just invited to attend for the first time. That's the first step. They need, they need to have that relationship with Christ in the first place. Students are excited about youth group and student ministry events where they experience a community of believers who encourage one another and grow together. Uh, there, there's an example of, of a lack of encouragement in youth group in a guy that you may know is a musician whose name is Marilyn Manson. You're probably familiar with him, done some pretty weird, creepy out there things in the past. Uh, he was actually invited to attend a youth group when he was a teenager, and, and the people there ignored him, rejected him, made fun of him, and look at the path that he's gone down. Um, we don't want that to happen for students. We want the opposite. Imagine if he'd shown up to a youth group and somebody said, hey, uh, my name is Tim. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, let me introduce you to some people. Let, let, let's, let me introduce you to the, to the pastor. Let, let me introduce you to some youth leaders. We're so glad you're here, man. Let, let, me, let me tell you what's coming next. Imagine if someone had welcomed him into that group instead of rejecting him. So, you know, ideally, the students ought to be so excited about what God is doing that they want their friends, family, and classmates to be a part of it, just like Philip brought Nathaniel to Jesus in John chapter 1. You know, uh, what was it that, uh, that Nathaniel said? What good can come? What good can come from Nazareth? Uh, you know, like I want to meet that guy. And, and what was Philip's response to him? Does anybody know? Come and see. He just said, come, check it out. And so imagine if our students were like, dude, you ought to come check this out. Why don't I want to go to church, man? You guys hate me. You guys don't like what I am. You guys teach these things I disagree with. Imagine if our students were like, come and check it out. See for yourself. It's different. Believe me, it's going to be great. You want to come see that. Student ministry leaders are passionate about students and being a part of their lives. And I think also passionate about what's going on with their families so that they can make that connection as well. Um, there's no way, I, I'm one guy, I haven't cloned myself as, as much as I kind of want to sometimes, although I think that might terrify my wife a little bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's no way one guy can effectively reach a large group of people by himself. It just can't happen. So it takes a team to make up for the leader's weak spots. I know this might shock you, but I'm not perfect. I can't do everything well. Uh, and so there are leaders who make up for that, who do the things well that I'm awful at. Um, and so they, they are a valuable part of, of what this ministry does, and, and they get to bring their unique set of abilities and testimonies to the group. Um, you know, I, I was saved at nine. I never got into drugs and those kinds of things. Uh, God saved me from that before I even had a chance to get into it. Um, but there are others who are walking through that, and they may say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, what about that guy over there that does know what you're going through because he walked through that and God brought him out of it? We need that. We need people to see that. The church is intergenerational. It is blessed by students through their example, service, and energy, and it would miss them if they weren't there. Would you notice if no teenagers showed up today? 
I, I would hope so. I, I hope that they're a valuable part of what's going on and that if they weren't here, people would go, oh my gosh, what happened? Um, you know, the, the first time that I attended the church that I went to high school in, uh, the, there were no teenagers, and I said, what on earth is this? They said, oh, they're at camp. They'll be back tonight. You ought to come back and meet some of them. <laughs> I said, <"Whew>, okay. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we, we, want, we want intergenerational church, it's, and it's not just about kids and teens and families. It's, it's about gray hairs, too. We need you guys. You guys, you're super valuable. You're super valuable to, to student ministry, to kids' ministry, to family ministry. You're valuable to me. I, I need to hear from you. I, I need that mentorship, that discipleship. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've attended churches before where, where it's all just younger people. Um, and, uh, and I can tell you that those leaders are really missing out and, and don't have the tools that they need to, to interact with the people they're trying to reach because they don't have the, the folks who are more experienced than them speaking into their lives and encouraging them. So, so the church being intergenerational is, is huge for supporting families and, and supporting students. The student ministry is not an island to itself, but is unified with the church participating in the church at large and in the greater church. Um, you know, the student ministry shouldn't be in competition with everyone else. It, it ought to be working together with everyone else. You know, hey, when is that men's event? I want to send some guys to the men's event. Uh, hey, when is the women's event? I think one of our leaders is going to take some girls to that. Uh, you know, hey, kids ministry, VBS is coming up. What do you need? How can I, how can I tell our students about VBS? Uh, Sunday morning, you're looking for a helper in that class? I know a guy. I think, he, I think you'd be thrilled to have this student come and help you do that. Um, you know, there's this family that I, I heard from their team that they're struggling. Hey, elders, can we come alongside this guy and, and his family and, and support them? What, what can we do? They're going through a hard time. Um, you know, the student ministry shouldn't just be this silo over here somewhere. It ought to be a part of what, what everything is doing and unified with that. And lastly, and certainly not leastly, uh, parents are equipped and encouraged to fulfill their God-given role with their children. It's hard. Uh, as a parent now, um, you know, I, I, I'm starting to see how difficult this whole parenting thing is. Uh, I know sometimes as a college guy, you're like, oh, I don't know, I mean, you just, just kind of, I don't know, you ought to be okay. And, and then you get in it and you're like, mm, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. <laughs> so, so we need to encourage and equip our parents. Um, and, and that may be teaching seminars, that may just be having dinner together and say, how's, how's it going? What can we do to support you? What, what kind of struggles are you going through? Hey, I know a couple that's older and more experienced, and, and they've been through that thing you're going through. Let me, let me get you connected with that family. Um, so though the emphasis of the message today has been on students and families, I want to close by telling you something amazing about that redemption and forgiveness of sins I was talking about a couple moments ago. It's not just available to students, and it's not just available to people who are in families. Uh, it is available to all of us. Uh, young, old, married, unmarried, divorced, everything in between is available to all of us. Uh, even if you're not familiar with Scripture, you're here today and you've never picked up a Bible until they said there's this blue thing in the, and here's a page number, uh, you're probably familiar with John 3.16. Maybe you've seen it on a sign at a football game at the very least. For God so loved what? The world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't just say students and families. This is the world, and that means everybody, okay? So uh, maybe you're here today, and you're hearing about God's forgiveness for the very first time. And if so, I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. But uh, maybe you've heard about it before, and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ and what he's done for us. 
We're gonna have a time of response in a few moments, and I would love the opportunity to talk with you more about this gospel, this good news. And I know that there are others in the room who would be thrilled to do the same. So, uh, and maybe you don't wanna walk up in front of people and come talk to me. Maybe you wanna head to the back and talk to someone, or maybe you just wanna wait and catch one of us after in between services. We wanna talk to you about that good news today. Don't leave this building uncertain of what Christ has done for you. We wanna talk to you about that. And for those of us who have trusted Christ, I encourage you to consider how you may be a part of what God is doing to reach students and families here in in Osterville and beyond. Uh, Whether I serve in this position or whether you guys go, he's nuts and don't vote me in, um, the position may be filled by someone else who, however that works out, there will be a need for the church family to be a part of loving and reaching students and their families and their parents and their siblings. Uh, I'm willing to bet that, that in this room or somewhere in this community that, uh, that there's a mom and dad who needs someone to come alongside them and mentor them. I bet that there's a single parent who needs some rest and someone to support their parenting. Um, if, you, if you have a teen in your house, I bet that uh, that's not always the easiest thing. And so you may need someone to just maybe have a little shouting mat chat for a little bit, get some things out so you can go back to the fight, okay? Um, <laughs> uh, there's a foster child out there who thinks that they're too old to be adopted, and, and maybe that's your calling. Maybe that's something that you need to consider. As your ministry to a student, maybe you need to bring one into your house. Uh, maybe there's someone else out there who needs to be adopted, and not just, not just physically, but spiritually. Uh, maybe there's someone out there, and you've been told that you are just, nobody cares about you, you're unlovable. I want you to know that you are loved and that someone died for you because they loved you so much. So our community needs the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around them. So how are you going to be a part of that? Father, I just thank you for this time we've had here this morning. And and I just pray that that you would uh, just open our hearts to what you're telling us, whatever that may be. Uh, Father, if there's someone here who needs to know you for the first time, I pray that they would make that decision today, that you would encourage them to do that. If there's someone here today and and, uh, you're you're calling them into some kind of service that maybe they've never even dreamed about before, I pray that you would help them to to be open to that. And and Father, I just pray for for our our church congregation, our family, that that you would help us to honor you and to serve you in everything that we say and do. I thank you for what you're going to do, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.